Welcome to episode 14 of Podcast 42. Episode 14. Who'd have thought it? Well, thanks for listening still, and for all your support. Getting some good feedback on the podcast, so that's nice to know. This is the podcast that talks a little bit about life, the universe, and everything. And as you know, anything goes. So for episode 14, I've left my South Pacific island hideaway far behind and hitched a ride on a passing Kakamoran outrigger that was heading my way. The clue's in the name as to where I'm heading, but that's for the next episode. I was going to wait until my destination to record the next episode, but life here on the ocean waves gives you plenty of time to reflect and think about the good things in life. There haven't been many good things around the world at the moment, so let's have some other good things to talk about. I've been lucky enough to have some amazing and quite bizarre life experiences along the way so far on life's strange journey. I thought I'd do a bit of a highlight show. Now before you switch off, this isn't just a montage of clips from previous episodes, I promise. But I thought about the top 42 things I've experienced in life so far. Now don't expect anything too deep and meaningful, as I'm focusing on fun activities and just the general distractions I've done or witnessed. Some quite touristy things to be honest, but I'd highly recommend many of these activities. There's not too much details, and I can use some of them to elaborate on in future podcasts. If you hear a particular favourite, let me know, podcast42 at gmail.com, all words, no numerics, podcast42 at gmail.com. And maybe I can elaborate more or explain more about the activity on a later date, at a later podcast. One underpinning factor though, many of them actually describe a feeling I get sometimes when travelling. Basically, how the fuck did I end up here? <laughs> oh, sorry mum, if you're listening. I've always said that when that feeling goes away, it's time to stop travelling. Fortunately, it hasn't left me yet, and I know a few of my fellow travellers get the same experience. Sometimes you just think, how did a boy who grew up in the northeast of England end up here? And you'll see what I mean as I go along the way. I've managed to get it to 42 items I thought it was appropriate for the podcast. There are lots more, but these were just some of the things I've enjoyed doing. Okay, number 42. Where better to start than good old Blighty, England. One place I visited in England, I do love London, as I've often said on the podcast, but number 42, I thought, Buckingham Palace. I did the Buckingham Palace tour as a tourist, as I always am, a couple of years ago, and I've been to many castles, many halls, many of these sort of country houses type places, but Buckingham Palace really is the top of the list. It's superb, it's decadence, it's so stylish, it's fit for a royal palace, I guess, whether your views on royalty are good or not. I'm not going to go into that, but this is a great place to tour. Buckingham Palace, number 42. That's a quick start. I'm going to try and keep these short and sweet. Number 41. I'd flown into New York City, this is about 10 years ago now, and I had a bit of an afternoon on my own there, and wandering around, and I remember having, obviously, internet and an iPhone at the time. It was all very new, kind of, so I did a quick search. What's going on in New York City today? Literally two blocks away from me, in Union Square, the world's biggest pillow fight. <laughs> yep, it was a huge pillow fight. I actually found some old pictures of it the other day, which reminded me of it. It was just such a good laugh. People just letting go, having fun, enjoying themselves. There is a longer story about what happened afterwards, but that's probably for another podcast. But it involves a free limo ride, so it's always a good story. Where next? Number 40. Graceland. Elvis's house. I visited there a couple of years ago. And again, a stunning place. It's really a moment in time as the house has been left pretty much as he, as he left it when he died in 1977. Ironically, on my birthday. Ironically? Well, he died on my birthday in 1977 when I was but six. Anyway, 
Graceland, great place to visit. Uh, we were lucky enough it was Christmas time. I was actually in Memphis for New Year at the time, as you do. And it was a couple of days after New Year. I think we went to Graceland, but the Christmas decorations were still up. And the house was amazing. Really good piece of history. I like Elvis Presley. You're not a major fan. But even if you're not a fan, but you love music in general, just go to this house. Go see it. I also visited Sun Records in Memphis, where he recorded with Jerry Lee Lewis, recorded there as well. I think I actually sang Great Balls of Fire <laughs> karaoke party at there. Okay, you have to do it. But it was great. So Sun Records, but Graceland's is very, very good. Also, if you're ever in Memphis, don't forget to go to Gus's Fried Chicken. Though this isn't a sponsored clip, Gus's Fried Chicken is the best fried chicken I've had in the world. End of story. Talking of music, next to number 39, just concerts in general. I love going to music concerts. I saw Paul McCartney in Brooklyn. That was a very, very good concert. And I almost saw him in Tokyo, but he cancelled while we were queuing to get in. He was sick. <laughs> My last day in Australia, I went to see Guns N' Roses in Sydney, which was amazing. The Rolling Stones in Tokyo, that was very good. One of my loudest concerts I ever went to. Sex Pistols in Brixton, in London. Brixton Academy is a great venue. You almost feel like you're outside on an inside venue. I think I've mentioned that before, but Sex Pistols in Brixton, possibly the loudest gig I've ever been to. <laughs> Another good one, James, one of my favourite bands of all time. Look them up if, if you don't know who they are. Songs like Sit Down, Laid, Sometimes, and lots of others. Even their new music is fantastic too. I saw them in Brisbane. It was their first time they played in Australia. Actually, a couple of months later, I saw them in Dubai and then in Edinburgh. But there you go. Just the way life is. <laughs> and another one of my favourite concerts. I could go on with concerts for a whole episode, I guess. But I saw Ocean Colour Scene in the Hard Rock Cafe in London. And that was a charity gig with very few people. That I'm sure I've mentioned this on a podcast, but I'm going to go ahead anyway. And it was just a very small venue, very intimate, amazing got the tickets from eBay, <laughs> as you do. Invited a couple of friends and it was a lot of fun. So yeah, that's some of the highlights of concerts I've been to. I think I'll mention another concert later on, but let's keep going. Number 38, and this happened to me only four months ago. We went on the train through the Cairngorms. Cairngorms, National Park in Scotland. The towns like Aviemore, places like that. Balvenie, the distillery, we travelled through that. But why I put this in highlights is because it's a very small train from Newcastle to Inverness and we, we passed over the Cairngorms but it was beautiful because once we started to rise and get the elevation there was snow everywhere really picturesque very beautiful train ride highly recommended to everybody I do love a good train ride I've mentioned this before and I'm sure there'll be one or two train rides in this list to come number 37 back in the USA Las Vegas Las Vegas great place to visit had a lot of fun there and one particular evening we'd done the helicopter through the Grand Canyon during the day but on the evening we had a helicopter ride through the strip with all the lights and the mayhem below. Luckily the old the old <laughs> podcast 42 look struck again as it often does. A, a helicopter where there were supposed to be six people on had only myself and my partner on and the pilot of course. So we had a almost well we had a private trip through the strip. A trip through the strip. That sounds like a bit of Dr. Seuss there. And the helicopter threw the strip. It was fantastic. We flew around the Stratosphere Hotel. And after the trip, we went to the Cirque du Soleil and saw Love, the Beatles Cirque show. Fantastic. I've, I'm not a huge fan of Cirque du Soleil, if I was completely honest. I saw La Nuba in Orlando and generally wasn't that impressed. <laughs> but the Love show. I'm a big Beatles fan, as you can tell by the titles of these podcasts. 
and it's a great show. I believe it's still on at the Mirage in Las Vegas. Highly recommend it. That was number 37. Number 36, a place very close to my heart, obviously, the Philippines. I could spend many, many episodes talking about the Philippines. But some of my highlights really, Boracay Island, everybody knows I love that. (laughs) I love going to Boracay. For no other reason than it's just chilled out, it's easy. I can walk on I can walk barefoot all the time. Go in the sea, swim, have a beer, no problems. But there's also Mount Pinatubo, huge volcano, the island of Cebu. I was lucky I've been to two weddings there, friends. Had a great time. Bohol Island, Camagin Island, lots more islands to see. And I could go on about the Philippines for a long, long time. But just a quick mention for them, because I do love the Philippines. And the people, of course. That was number 36. This is moving along quite nicely. Number 35 was almost something I dreamt of as a traveller. I like to fly, I like travelling, it doesn't really bother me. I tend to get in my own little bubble and enjoy the journey. Oh, that sounds like a good cliched proverb, isn't it? The journey's more important than the destination. Anyway, (laughs) I like the journey. But I was flying from Oman to Dubai, then Dubai to New York. And cut a long story short, I got a free upgrade, courtesy of Emirates Airlines, on the A380. The A380 is a huge Airbus, my favourite airplane of all time. It's so smooth to fly in, so much space aboard. Cabin crew are always good with Emirates as well. But I got upgraded to business class on a trip to New York City. A 15 and a half hour flight. And that was one of those what the fuck moments. As I say, one time, one day you're sat in a small town in the northeast of England. Next thing, you're sat at a bar on a flight to New York. (laughs) Yes, they had a full bar on the plane. Google it. It's a great picture. I mean, if anybody's on my Facebook, they'll see my pictures on there of me serving behind the bar. The staff did let me go behind there. <laughs> right about uh, three or four hours with, with cocktails, had some sandwiches, they made food. Then I had about four hours, five hours sleep. Woke up with a Bloody Mary. Back to the bar for a few hours. Bit of bullshitting at the bar with various people, as you do. Great flight. Definitely one of my favourite flights ever. And that's another trip that could probably take up a full podcast. Although the highlight was the fact that if there was turbulence at the bar, there was seatbelts at the bar, so you didn't have to go back to your seat. Nice touch. Well, that was my jazz voice. Nice. (laughs) Number 34, I believe we're up to. Horse racing. I've always liked horse racing. Been lucky enough to go to Ascot, Epsom, York in England. I've been to Darwin races when I lived in Australia. I think I spoke about that last episode. But one of my favourite race courses in the world, Happy Valley. And a little bit of a shout out to Sha Tin, both in Hong Kong, of course. Sha Tin on the mainland, I believe, well, it is China, as, as is Hong Kong now. But Happy Valley Racecourse is one of those places I'd heard of as a kid. It's a racecourse in the centre of Hong Kong, in the city. It's quite a surreal place. Again, on my Facebook, I've got a fantastic picture of me, even if I say so myself, looking sharp in a tuxedo, in a private box, right in the, up in the guts, overlooking happy valley race course and it's quite a surreal picture it looks like a backdrop of a city that's been painted it's that beautiful it, 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 i say beautiful in, a, in an urban sense if that makes if that makes any sense but yep happy valley race course hong kong fantastic place to visit and i will be going there soon as i'm not going to be far from there after this trip okay that's enough horse racing oh i should mention the no i won't mention the massive one i had at Shartin either <laughs> that was a very lucky one Ivy, if you're listening, you remember it well. Number 33. Let's get back to the UK. Wembley. Wembley Stadium. I'm a big football fan. I'm a big sports fan. Wembley Stadium, even the new Wembley, 
for me is still a mecca for any sports fan. I was lucky enough to go to the original Wembley. It was a bit run down by the time I got there in the 80s. But when the new Wembley opened, it's a fantastic place for great atmosphere. I've actually sat at the very back seat of the stadium, had a fantastic view. And I've been in the Club Wembley seats and had great and great service, great view there as well. I saw, what was I, have I seen there? Manchester United versus Man City. I think that was a charity shield game. Uh, Man City. Oh, they got beat 3-2 by Manchester United. Great game. That was my partner's first football match as well. Yeah, she had 90,000 people. A Manchester derby and a great game. <laughs> yeah, I've been to the playoffs there for the championship with a friend who took me there. If you're listening, Gary, thank you for the... But one thing I've also always missed out on at Wembley, though, I've never actually been to an FA Cup final, which is unusual. I've been to lots and lots of football matches all over the world. And yes, I do support Manchester United and Hartlepool United. But I've never been to an FA Cup final. Strange. I also like the pub nearby Wembley, the Green Man. Great, great place for football fans to gather before and after a match. I know when I've been there with United, there's always plenty of red flares being let off, lots of singing. Great atmosphere. Okay, stop talking about football because this podcast will get very, very long. Number 32. This would be two years ago. I think March 2018. I went to Hobbiton. Yep, New Zealand. We were over in New Zealand. Actually, a bit of a side note, we flew from the Philippines and I thought the Philippines was close to New Zealand or closer than it really is. New Zealand is really the end of the world. It was 11 or 12 hours flight even from Philippines to get there. But I say about Hobbiton because this is where Lord of the Rings was filmed and we visit the Hobbit set, the Hobbiton set, the Shire. And But really it's a shout out to New Zealand in general. Our friend Jared who lives there, if he ever listens to this, <laughs> your, your country is amazing. We really loved New Zealand. Can't wait to go back. For me, it's up there with Canada. It's a great place to visit for the scenery, the people. People are fantastic as well. Very friendly. Got a lot of time for the Kiwis. Okay, let's keep moving on. Number 31. We haven't had Korea yet. You know I like to talk about Korea. South Korea. We've been on a long long journey again. And we got to Korea. And we also always get the KTX train, which is the bullet train in Korea. It goes up to about, I think, 309 kilometers an hour. So fairly fast. Very smooth beautiful the landscape of Korea is basically the train goes through a tunnel it goes through a valley goes through a tunnel goes through a valley it's very mountainous something I didn't know till I lived there but anyway cut a long story short the trains are fantastic I love the KTX train great service on it as well but the one highlight I was going to talk about was there was no room at the inn so to speak there was no seats available on the train apart from we got offered seats in the cinema car and I thought oh it'd be just tv screens with headphones so we took the seats. We were very tired after a long journey and just wanted to sleep anyway. Didn't need the headphones, we'll just go to sleep. Wrong, it was a carriage that was a cinema and showing Korean action movies at about 500 decibels. I don't know if that's a highlight, but it was just a funny story. It's another one of those what the fuck moments, I guess. Oh, I'm swearing too much on this podcast, behave. <laughs> but yeah, Korean KTX cinema car, that was very entertaining. Imagine, uh, what's what's the movie, Boil, Boiling Point? Hard Boiled, that's it. Korean movie, big action movie. Imagine that movie at 500 decibels. <laughs> Actually, if you're talking to movies, again, like a bit of a sideline, I guess I shouldn't do this, but I think it's the last train to Busan is actually the train we used to get, the KTX from Seoul to Busan sometimes, or to Ulsan. And there's a zombie movie, Last Train to Busan. Quite a good zombie movie, if you like that sort of thing. It's Korean, but Korean movies tend to be quite good, if I was honest. Let's move on. Number 30. This is uh, the Vatican City. Great place to visit. Lots of history, obviously, in Rome, although Vatican City is its own principality, country. It's its own thing. 
within Italy. But Vatican City is a fantastic place to visit, whether you're religious or not. I'm not Catholic, I'm not overly religious. But it was a fantastic place to visit. So much history there, so many beautiful statues, paintings, buildings, amazing. But what I'm going to mention is St. Peter's Basilica. That's the big dome-looking thing, a bit like St. Paul's, I guess, in London. Looks kind of like that to me. You could climb to the top of that. Lots of steps, lots of walking. It was about 30 degrees, but I thought, yes, I'm going to do it. It must have took me about 45 minutes. I was knackered by the time I got to the top. And I made it to the top, and I stepped out, and there's a huge cheer. I thought, wow, fantastic. Everybody's recognised that I've climbed the top of St. Peter's Basilica, and I was about to wave back. Then I realised the Pope had appeared. He upstaged me. I was, was not photo-bombed, but outdone, outshone by the Pope in Vatican City. How dare he? <laughs> but yeah, you get up there and it's a fantastic view of Rome and the Vatican City. Highly recommended to visit, if you get the chance, St. Peter's Basilica, Vatican City. Number 29, another Korean moment. This is more of a moment for me than anything else because I probably misunderstood the situation and I learned from it. Always try and learn things. Number 29 was the Korean Paralympic team. You might ask, what do I know about that? Well, in 2012, the Paralympics were in London, and I was flying Korean Air from Seoul to London. And on board my flight was pretty much the whole Korean Paralympic team. And I looked and thought, oh my goodness, there's going to be so much disturbance on this flight, it's going to be so hard to get on. How is the plane going to manage? Me being ill-educated and not understanding how. Paralympians travel, or disabled people in general. I, I was ignorant to the fact that they're all just normal people, the same as us, and I should know that. We all should know that. But what I was super impressed with was how, obviously, there are disabilities which need to be managed on board a plane. Korean Air and the Paralympic team made it feel just a completely normal flight. I'm, it's a hard one to put into words, really, about normality. What is normality? and how maybe I was ignorant at the time. But it was amazing. The, the flight had zero disturbance. Anybody who needed assistance to go to the toilets or, or even just to move around the cabin, assistance was provided with minimum fuss, with minimum embarrassment or any ways of making people not feel good about their journey. I'm trying hard to put this into words, but hopefully you understand. But yeah, the Korean Paralympic team, number 29. It was great. It was great, great to actually be amongst uh, Paralympians, I guess. It was a good feeling. And it was done well in London. The, the whole Olympics and the Paralympics, for me, became one in London, 2012. Okay, let's move on to back to the USA. Number 28. Actually, I could mix this up with a bit of Australia as well, because twice I've been in rivers with different animals. I mentioned the jumping crocs last week at Adelaide River, so I give them another shout-out as a number 28. But sharing number 28 is an animal I could actually swim with. Now in Florida, you have manatees. If you don't know what a manatee is, Google it. <laughs> it's a bit like a water horse type thing. Anyway, not a hippopotamus, no. It's like a, it's a manatee. Just the cabbages. They're, they're pretty cool. Anyway, in Florida, they're protected. You're not supposed to swim with them. However, you can swim near them. And if they come to you, as long as you don't interfere with them, for want of a better word, you, you can steer them. So I basically got a snorkel, went in the river. It was an organised tour, an organised trip of about eight people, which was quite nice. But I'm floating around in the river, and to be honest, I saw one of the biggest. It was in brackish water, you know, like a mix of fresh water and sea water. I saw this huge crab thing, which made me jump. But then all of a sudden, this giant thing comes over to me, this manatee, with a baby. 
and they start playing with me as if I'm a log. They're just nudging me around. I'm just told to float there. Enjoy it. We'd actually, I've actually been in the water about 45 minutes, so it was worth waiting for. But yeah, Florida, manatees, great experience. Although I remember when I'm talking of crocodiles, when I came out of the water and into the boat, I did say to the guide, oh, so there's no alligators in this part of Florida. Oh yeah, of course there is. They'll just think you're a log and ignore you. What? <laughs> Thanks for telling me. <laughs> okay, let's get, get back to Australia again. Number 27, the England rugby team in Brisbane. England beat Australia in a series 3-0 and I was at the second game in Brisbane and I got a random ticket online. It was only on my own. I flew over from Darwin and went to the went to the rugby and I got on my seat. Oh, hang on, this is a bit strange. This is another what the fuck. I'm sat with the England team. The non-playing staff, this is all the players who aren't actually on the pitch. I'm sat with them almost on the bench <laughs> this was my seat it just happened to be a spare seat at the end of the row and i got it and of course i'm wearing a white england shirt a white england rugby shirt and i start getting messages from people watching on tv my friend in new zealand what the fuck are you doing with the england rugby team on tv in australia right now uh <laughs> good question <laughs> lots of lots of other calls and messages similarly what are you doing there why are you playing with the england rugby team or why are you on the bench <laughs> although i did did get asked by an american guy i will try the accent he says hey buddy what position do you play and are you going on that was my best wyoming accent i said well actually uh, i play prop i prop up the bar after the game but um anyway, he seemed to be enjoying the rugby he'd won the ticket in a competition and had no clue what was going on but it was good fun so yeah me and the England rugby team in Brisbane. Number 26, let's start moving a bit faster. Red Rocks. Red Rocks near Denver, possibly, if not the, one of the greatest music venues in the world. I saw, who did we see there? Daughtry, and Plain White Tees, and somebody else who I can't remember. Oh no, he won, Ameri won something on American Idol. What was that, Daughtry? Anyway, we saw three bands there. <laughs> the bands were great, but the venue stole the show for me. Really, really good music venue. Denver as a whole, I think I spoke about before, really one of my favourite places in America. Some good bars there, some nice people. Although one side story is, we drove the car to Red Rocks, and we parked the car, gone to the gig, and for some reason it was one of those cars that didn't have the key, just had the button to start. And for some reason, unbeknown to me, even when we'd walked miles away from the car, the car kept running. We come out the concert on fumes. <laughs> Basically, the car had little or no fuel left, and we must have made it, unbelievably made it, to the nearest gas station, but it was a long trip, or it seemed a long trip with zero gas at that time of night. But yeah, Red Rocks, well worth a visit. Number 25, moving swiftly. Number 25, I met the Chinese football team, as you do. It was New Year's Eve in Doha. And I was having a day off work, I stayed at a hotel, and it's about midnight. And because the Asian Cup, so this must have been 2011, the Asian Cup was on in Doha. Lots of the different countries' teams were turning up. And I'm at the Belgian bar in, let me think, the Intercontinental Hotel. And I had a couple of beers, next thing you know, I'm going to the toilet, bump into the Chinese football team. Fantastic. Say hello. They asked me to come in, we all have a bit of a chat. I show them, I give them a few tips on how to play really good football, because obviously I know how to, being English, and they probably get dumped out in the first round. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully they didn't listen to me. But yeah, met the Chinese football team. 
Number 24. Let's continue the football theme. I think it was the same time. It would have been the same tournament. I actually got tickets to go to Iran versus Iraq. Well, I'll wear my England shirt. No problem at all. I have my Hartlepool United flag, my England shirt. I'm in the Iraq end. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing could go wrong. Iraqi people and Iranians, actually. All the ones I've met are awesome. They're really nice people. Don't be misunderstanding what you hear on the news about these countries. Their people are fantastic. Iraqis and Iranians, all the ones I know, are fantastic. All nice people. I'm not saying everybody from there is nice, but the ones I know are. And the Iraqi supporters were no different. I, I was made very welcome, even wearing an England shirt. They were all dressed in green. And I later found out these are some of the ultra supporters of Iraq. They follow the team everywhere, all over the world, wherever they can. And they were actually quite oldish guys. They obviously knew a thing or two about football, loved making plenty of noise, great supporters. I think Iran won 2-1 that night, I can't remember. But it was a great, great occasion. And it was just one of those moments you think, yeah, I can go and see Iran versus Iraq. Why not? Another football. Actually, is it 23? Last one was 24, this must be 23. Yokohama Marinos. I was lucky enough to, again, as I said, live in Tokyo and met lots of friends who introduced me to Yokohama Marinos. Still a team I follow today. I loved going to watch football in Japan. But when Marinos win, there's a big celebration and everybody gets out their red, white and blue umbrellas, spins them round while singing the football songs. I, I still have my umbrella to this day, but Google it, look at it, on, look at it on YouTube. There's some great scenes of celebration at Yokohama. Actually champions of the J-League last season. Why couldn't they win it while I was there? <laughs> I also remember being in the Chiva bar in Yokohama and I was at the bar having a few drinks and there was a woman next to me who was speaking really good English and she started asking me where I was from, things like that. So I'm talking away, next thing I know there's a huge cheer goes up in the bar. The same woman is on the TV interviewing the players. She kind of works for J Sports TV, probably the equivalent of Sky, Sky Sports in the UK and she sat there telling me all about football in Japan. Fantastic. Number 22. Moving quickly now. Turtles. Turtles, why not? In Darwin, we went to visit a turtle sanctuary. And this was about two and a half hours by very fast speedboat off the coast of the in the Timor Sea. Timor Sea or the East Timor Sea? The Timor Sea will do. And we went out there and there was a nature reserve where nesting turtles were laying their eggs. And it was the season. So we, we visited and we were allowed to not so much interact with the turtles, but obviously we couldn't take an egg or take a turtle but could fit very closely to the to the eggs being laid and it was amazing really amazing place it was at night it must have been about 10 p.m it's dark on a sandbar never mind an island it was just a sandbar and watching the turtles come ashore lay the eggs bury the eggs and then leave amazing if it's hard, if you like turtles these are the big i'm talking these are the big leatherback type turtles not little titchy ones and not Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles either. But we, yeah, we got, had to, got to interact with turtles. Although another crocodile story <laughs> comes to mind because we were told that there was a rather large saltwater crocodile living nearby, but we'll just have to keep an eye out for him, just in case. All right, great. Okay, let's, let's continue with Australia. Number 21, MCG. I mentioned this in one of the early podcasts, the Melbourne Cricket Ground the G as it's known as. This is another mecca for me of for sporting fans. I dreamt of going there as a child and there I was with the Barmy Army watching England versus Australia. Australia promptly thrashed us but it was a great occasion, a full day of cricket. 
Actually, I did I mention that before? Because that was Valentine's weekend and I had to pay the price and take my partner to see One Direction the next day in recompense for taking her to the cricket. <laughs> Although, again, another story goes with that. We, we're in with the Barmy Army. And the Barmy Army, if you don't know them, are the England supporters who travel the world, mostly single guys, I might add, <laughs> travel the world watching England play cricket. They're a great bunch. They never stop singing, partying the whole time. Despite being thoroughly beaten by Australia, they were continuing to sing and support the team. And so Aussies nearby got the hump with this. They said, how can you possibly be happy and singing when your, your team are playing so shit? Well, we're there for the fun. It's not all about the winning. Well, yes, it is. But <laughs> it's there about participation. It's the sport. It's the being together, the singing, the, the enjoyment. So these guys start shouting abuse at the England fans. And I'm thinking, well, this is not going to end very well in one way or another. I could see the police nearby. And the, Eng the England fans, the Barmy Army, are not known for causing trouble. But these guys had shouted that much abuse at them. All of a sudden, out pops a pint, flies through the air, promptly lands smack on the heads of these poor guys shouting abuse. Luckily, it was a plastic glass, but they got covered in beer. Or maybe it wasn't beer, I'm not sure. And I thought, oh dear, this is not going to end well. But the police officer turned round to the four young louts and said, you deserve that. Now piss off. <laughs> Brilliant. Well handled. Okay, what are we up to? Number 20. Oh, the Alps. This is back in 2005 and we we're in the Alps and there was one day in particular where we'd been um, snowboarding. This is in the summer, so we'd go snowboarding on the glacier, which I'm terrible at. I can't ski, but not snowboard very well. We'd done some quad biking, but the particular day I'm talking about, we'd done some whitewater rafting. This was about 25 kilometres of white water. Fantastic, amazing sort of meltwater through the Alps. Quite fast rapids. Um, I remember the guide saying to us, right, you need to oh, jump out of the boat and then learn to get back into the boat. You're joking, aren't you? That water's too cold. So we all promptly jumped in, at which point the guide said, I can't believe you all did it. Oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> and Gary, if you are listening, I remember pulling you out of that cold water. You looked terrified. <laughs> anyway, moving on. But what we did after the whitewater raft was we went parascending, which is basically jump off the side of a mountain with a parachute. Not quite base jumping, trust me, I'm not that adventurous. And there was somebody there with me, so I was sort of tied to him. <laughs> we we jumped off the off the mountain. But we it was evening. I remember it being about five thirty, six PM July time maybe. And we had Mont Blanc in the distance, beautiful weather, the Alps, amazing. So yeah, well worth visiting. That was off Les Arts in France, where we where we took off from in the Alps. Well worth a visit. Another good one. Number 19. Let's go back to London. The Telecom Tower in London. For me as a child, that was an iconic building. Every time you approach London, that is what stood out on the skyline. Nowadays, there's lots of other towers. The Shard, for example, the Walkie Talkie. But the Telecom Tower always stood out for me. Now, this shut down in, ooh, I think it was the 70s, due to an IRA bomb that exploded there, actually up on the tower and caused damage. And there was no public access after that. Actually, a little fact that I did find out while up there, that the Tower restaurant was owned by none other than Billy Butlin. Butlin's Holiday Camps. Yep. He owned the restaurant at the top of the Tower. Not the restaurant at the end of the universe. That's Millieways. The restaurant at the top of the Telecom Tower. Easy to say for you. But yeah, anyway, cut a long story short, I'd applied for tickets for an architectural day opening of the Tower. And they do this around lots of buildings in London. And I got tickets to go to the top of the telecom tower, something I'd always dreamed of as a kid, and I managed to achieve it. Obviously not a lifetime goal, nothing earth-shattering, but a really good place to visit and say you've been to. Number 18, back in Japan, sumo wrestling. 
I can't really say anything more than that, but if you're ever in Tokyo, go to sumo wrestling. You will really, really enjoy it. End of number 18. <laughs> number 17, Calgary Flames, ice hockey. Oh, I should just call it hockey for all my Canadian friends. They'll tell me off for that. Calgary Flames hockey. Amazing. Again, this is where I was lucky enough to be. I was in Calgary for a few days and visiting some friends. It was actually, and we'd, done, we'd stayed there for Christmas with friends. And our last day, we actually got tickets, courtesy of one of my very, very good friends, Mr. Corey, if you're listening. But he got us tickets for Calgary Flames. And he's the kind of guy who will always get the good tickets. And we were pretty much sat next to the team where the what do I call it the dugout what do you call the place where the the players sit in in hockey somebody tell me <laughs> anyway in the in the area where the players sit we were probably the first seat next to that amazing i love hockey ice hockey sorry <laughs> and it was a oilers versus flames game so a local derby flames had won their 11th game in a row which was a record and afterwards we went out to celebrate we went to cowboys nightclub in calgary another place if you're ever in calgary go visit but great atmosphere. Oilers fans there, Flames fans there, everybody partying, everybody having good fun. It wasn't so much fun at 3am when we left the club and then I had to get up at 5.30 in the morning for a flight, but I'll save that story for another day. Number 14, back on trains, the Shinkansen, Tokyo. That's the bullet train. Again, another iconic shaped train. And I remember travelling, we were going to Shimitsu S-Pulse football team to watch Yokohama Marinos play them in a away game. So yeah, I've done a Japan away game. <laughs> and I remember travelling on the bullet train, which is another iconic shaped train from my childhood. If you're in, if you're in your 40s, <clears throat> then <laughs> you know what I'm talking about with this train. I remember gliding through the countryside. We've got Fujisan, Mount Fuji in the, in the background. And it was, it was amazing. And also when we got to the game, Mount Fuji was in the distance. Yokohama Marinos won. Great day. Good day out. Number 13. Death Valley, Death Valley, one of my favourite places on earth. I don't think this list is actually in any particular order, although number one is definitely my number one. But number 13, Death Valley, one of my favourite places to visit. Just perfect desolation there. Amazing things to see, rock formations, that kind of thing. I know I'm very boring saying that. But we stayed at Stovepipe Wells, if you're ever in Death Valley, stay there. Beautiful skies, pure, really dark skies for the stars. Visit Death Valley. Number 12, and I promise I will not talk long about this, Disney Parks. I love Disney Parks, I love theme parks. But luckily, it was, I think it was a year where I actually visited all of the theme parks. Yes, that was Anaheim in California, Orlando, Florida, Paris, France, Hong Kong. Then some bastard built Shanghai, which I'm sure I've mentioned before. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I was looking enough to visit all the Disney parks in one year, now I need to get to Shanghai. But no, amazing places, and again, I'm going to talk about them definitely in the next podcast. I've talked about it in previous podcasts, and I'm sure I'll continue to do so. And number 11, I should, yeah, this kind of links to the Disney parks. Three Sheets of the Mouse, one of my favourite podcasts. I was guesting on there on episode 167 they had. The guys who talk about the, the the drunker side of Disney, as they call it. I've mentioned them before, but a big shout out to those guys. Because they had a sheet up. Three sheets of the mouse have sheet ups. We all get together. And I've been to two or three of them now. And amazing bunch of people. We get together, we talk about Disney, we talk about booze, we talk about good food. We have a party. And it's the adult side of Disney, to be honest. Although there are a few babies in bars from time to time. But no, sheet ups. That should be in my top 10, really, but it was number 11 on my thinking. Number 10, Glastonbury. 
I think I will do a complete podcast all about Glastonbury Music Festival. Went there for the first time last year, and I wish I'd done it when I was younger, but really enjoyed it. And it got cancelled this year, but I do have tickets for next year. So Glastonbury Music Festival at number 10, and I will talk about that again at a greater length. Talking of music, number 9, My World Tour. For those of you who know me, you know I'm an ageing rock star, <coughs> or I pretend to be. I've sang in a few bands in China, in Thailand, in Korea, United Kingdom, I've actually performed there, the Philippines, I performed recently, Belgium, I was, I was actually in Oliver in Brussels in 2005, there you go, I was Mr Bumble in case you're wondering, and I did get recognised afterwards, sign a few autographs as you do, I was in the number one rock band in Qatar, the only rock band at the time I believe, at the bands I've been in, especially the, the world famous Pearl Necklace from Qatar, the story of that name is probably for another day. I was in Raw in Doha, Route 65 in Korea, The Dropped Anchors, and one of my favourite bands I was ever in, for those who ever heard us, was Grounded. Just a fun band. We had fun. That's, that's what it's all about. Making music, having fun. It's not about if one person comes to watch you, it's fine. If a thousand people come to watch you, it's fine. Actually, Grounded played in front of the 1500 one night, but that's another story altogether. And I have to have to get in, and I did get recognised in Bangkok Airport by somebody who had asked, aren't you that guy from the band in Korea? Yes, I am. <laughs> we were just a pub band, nothing special, but we had a lot of fun. Although we did headline a festival once. Another podcast for that one. Number eight, let's talk about the Middle East again. The PGA Golf. The Golf Tour. Well, Doha's Golf Club, this would have been 2008, 2009... Doha wasn't as built up as it is now, and now it's preparing for the World Cup. But we'd quite often go to visit the golf club for a beer, and some nice greenery, great irrigation system there. But the PGA Golf was on, and unlike any other tournaments, you don't get thousands of spectators there, it was like hundreds. You could freely roam around, talk to the players, etc. And we used to always go to the golf club and just say, because uh, it, it was members only to access, and we just go to the gate, wave to the guy on the gate, say, oh, members, yeah, yeah, okay, and you, and you go, <laughs> no problem at all. Not that I would ever blag my way into anywhere. But anyway, at the time, the PGA Golf Tour is on. So it's a bit more serious, the security on the club. We, we, we went and had a wander around, saw a bit of golf. And then me and my friends said, well, we should really go for a beer. Let's go down to the Sheraton and have a beer. So we went into the club, and which point the guy said, sorry, sir, it's members and players only. Well, I said promptly, well, I'm a member, as you know, and he is obviously a player, pointing to my good friend. He wasn't a player, but he looked athletic enough. He won't mind me saying that. <laughs> so, yeah, we get access in. We walk in. There's Colin Montgomery, the golfer. All right, lads, how's it going? Oh, Colin, you had a shite round today. Yes, I did. Thanks for reminding me. What are you doing? Can I help you? I oh, was just trying to get a car to go to the Sheraton. We need, need a taxi. Go and see reception. He points us over. Receptionist has seen Colin talk to us, point us over. So we must be important. Promptly, she says, don't worry, sir, there's a car waiting for you outside. Compliments of the club. We walk out, there's a limo waiting for us. Takes us to the hotel where we have a few beers, <laughs> courtesy of Doha Golf Club. Apologies if anybody's listening from the club. <laughs> That's another longer story, I'm sure. Number seven, grizzly bear. Yes, I saw a grizzly bear in Yellowstone Park. Well, you might not think that's unusual, but it's the first grizzly bear I'd seen, and I'm glad I was in my car. Even though the local signs do say, fight back if attacked. Really? I'm not fighting that one. I think this had been doing what bears do in the woods, as you all know. But it was about 5am in the morning. Cut a long story short, we'd had to spend the night in Yellowstone Park due to an accident which had blocked the road. And we stayed in a different hotel. 
and we had to get up early to travel actually through Wyoming, one of my home states. And we're driving along and all of a sudden, out of the forest paths, this massive grizzly bear. Very impressive, beautiful animal. Real moment to see it. But Yellowstone Park as a whole will definitely feature in another podcast, I'm sure, because I do like that place. Number six, I mentioned this in one of the early podcasts, the Breaking Bad tour in Albuquerque. As, we, as I said previously, we met Junior from Breaking Bad on the flight. Albuquerque is an amazing place. If you like Breaking Bad, go to Albuquerque, do the tour. End of. Number five, I think this was on the same trip, actually, because we went to Monument Valley. I think I mentioned this before. We were driving to Monument Valley, and I mentioned about the Rainbow Bridge at Lake Powell, Bryce Canyon, those kind of places. But now my number five place was the Valley of the Gods. This was I mentioned previously that we just took a turn off the road and found this amazing place. It was off-road, we had an SUV, amazing rock formations, roadrunner country is what I would call it. Number five. Number four, we're moving through this very quickly. We're doing well today. Stick with me. These are all just little tidbits really that I wanted to talk about. And as I'm here on the boat, plenty of time to talk about it. Number four, Yosemite. Amazing place again, beautiful El Capitan, the forests, the animals there. But why I say it's special to me is my partner saw snow there for the first time. Yeah, and it's an amazing experience to see somebody experience something. <laughs> so I'm witnessing somebody seeing snow for the first time and their interpretation of it, the excitement. It's a really beautiful thing to see. So yeah, snow for the first time in Yosemite. Did I say that right? Is it Yosemite? Yosemite, I like Yosemite, that's better. Okay, number three. This is a, another special moment for me. As I said, I love Disney parks and I could pick out hundreds and hundreds of occasions where I've had something special happen to me there, or something I've enjoyed. But this was, I was lined up to do the Keys to the Kingdom tour, which is a tour around the Magic Kingdom, and what was it behind the scenes tour? Anyway, it was, you get to visit all the parks behind the scenes, and it's really interesting for somebody like me, who is a Disney fan, I love all that sort of thing. But I'd got there early to meet up, and it was about 7am, and I was allowed entrance before the crowds, and I got onto Main Street and Magic Kingdom, and I was there alone. Not a soul about, nobody at all. So I'm stood there in front of Cinderella's castle on my own. We weren't allowed to have cameras with us for the tour, so I couldn't take a picture. But life isn't through a lens. To experience that, to stand there on my own, fantastic for me. Number two. We're getting to two of the greatest things I ever did, to be honest. And they were both on the same day. <laughs> it just happened that way. And this was my friend Catherine in Canada. She won't mind me mentioning her name because she arranged this for us as a, as a surprise. Both both events. And the first one was a husky dog sled through around Lake Louise in the forest there. And I can only best describe this as Narnia. This is in Canada, not far from Banff. And this was like travelling by dog sled through Narnia. Wilderness, snow, fresh snow had just fallen. Ironically, we had a, a Japanese musher. Is that the right name for somebody who drives this dog sled? So yeah, the musher was from Kawasaki in the region in Tokyo and we started talking about Japanese football what else would you do on a dog sled going through the forest in Canada <laughs> also that day and this is my number one thing I've done I must admit this is still one of my favorite things I've ever done there is a little video of it on my Facebook I'm sure but if you've seen the movie Cool Runnings and that takes place in Calgary on the bobsleigh track I've been on a bobsled down that track I don't know how I can say any more about it, other than my partner said to me 10 minutes before we went on, what is a bobsled? You're about to find out. But I think we hit, I think it was 105 kilometres an hour. We had a, a professional driver, we didn't just get in and go, although we did get pushed off. 
Um, there was four people on it, and amazing experience. Up the side of the walls on the track, it was, I think it was about minus 27 at the time. The temperature was really cold, whatever that translates to. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah, negative 27. And it was an amazing experience to do the bobsled run and the cool runnings track. I would love to do that again. And what did we do after these things? That was number one, but as a side note, that's the 42 things that jumped into my mind that's happened to me probably in the last 10 years, actually. Nothing amazing, just things I've visited or experienced. Always good to have a life experience. But a little side note, I always remember after the dog sledding and the bobsled, we'd stopped at the Fairmont, which is a hotel, again, near Lake Louise, near Banff, not far from Calgary. And we stopped there for Caesars and Wings. My Canadian friends will understand that completely. A Caesar, it's actually made of two shots of vodka, a little bit of horseradish, a little spicy with some dashes of Tabasco. I like it. I like it a lot. It's made muddy with about 10 sashes of Worcestershire sauce. Hang on, this is sounding like a Bloody Mary to you, isn't it? Because it even has celery, and a little bit of spice and salt on the glass. But it has Clamato juice. Yes, that's what makes it different to a Bloody Mary. So the Caesar, it was I'll, I'll talk a bit about it because I know a bit about it. It's a cocktail that's created in Canada and it can, like I say, contains vodka and the Caesar mix. This is the Clamato juice, which is a blended tomato juice and clam broth. Amazing. Much better than a Bloody Mary. Very, very tasty. Actually, originated, I just found this out yesterday, in the Polonaise nightclub in Manhattan in November 1953. There you go. And it somehow ended up in Canada. Well, that's a great way to end this podcast. That's a, it's a nice short one. Nice to talk about these things. It's nice to have these happy memories still. And it got me thinking about lots of other things I've done and how I can elaborate on many of these items as well. And I will do in future podcasts. But yeah, go grab yourself a Caesar. I'm going to go upstairs, see what's happening on deck. Hopefully they won't have me uh, washing the deck or throw me overboard or walk the plank. As I'll soon be at my next location. The location I'm arriving in, Yokohama. That's where we're going next. And you know what's in Tokyo? Maybe we'll have a walk around there. Okay, that's it for me. No, no dad jokes today. No proverbs, no sayings. I'll just see you all on the next Podcast 42.
It comes from a UTI operator in Dunkirk. Hold on just a moment. Hey, Jeff, Irv's on a two-way with Uh, okay, thanks, Norm. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, one moment, please. We're getting a report from Irv Weinstein on a two-way radio. Hold on, please. Irv Weinstein, the base station. Anyone read me? Yeah, Irv, this is Jeff Kay. Am I glad to hear your voice. Where are you now? Uh, Jeff, I'm up on top of City Hall at the communications center. I... Very eerie. The, the whole place is completely deserted. People apparently took off quite a while ago, and it's really a mess. Yeah, I can well understand. There's only two people here at the studio left, just myself and uh, and Norm Shredd, and he's heading home to his family, and you and I are it. Uh, you're the last guy out in the field. The rest of the guys, uh, both TV units are dead, and, and both the radio units have been knocked off. Uh, uh, what's your status? How do you... Have you, you know what? Have you got a match? I have looking for a match for 30 minutes for this lousy cigarette, and I can't find one. <laughs> We got real problems. Listen, I hope my guys are all right. Uh, I, I hope it's only a communications problem. Uh, have you heard anything from them at all? Nothing at all, Eric. Nothing at all. Not since the battle at Grand Island. Uh, I know Lancer and uh, and Fagan are both dead, uh, and I've got to assume that the rest of the crew is gone too. Jeff, I tried to uh, get to the island, but it's just impossible. It, it's, it's just an impossible situation. You you just cannot move. People are. People are desperately trying to, to get out of the city. I don't think they quite know why why they're leaving or, or where they hope to go. Information to the studio here, uh, with the teletypes and the phones and all that, has been very, very sketchy here at this point. We do know that the, uh, the Grand Island bridges have both been blown in an effort to keep the Martian machines on the islands that landed there on the island, but they were able to ford the river. Uh, we're getting just bulletins from all over the place. I understand that ships off the west coast of the U.S. have been diverted to coastal ports in Washington, Oregon, and California to take refugees off there, abandoning, uh, abandoning the towns, Los Angeles, and San Francisco, and there have been no sightings out there again. It seems as only the east coast has been hit. Can you, can you see anything from where you're at? Yeah, I can get a pretty good view of the area from here. As I look down at all the main arteries of the city, as I say, the... It's just one big mass traffic jam, and, and nothing is going anywhere. Now, the cars are just just standing still. It's almost like looking down on, a, on one of these toy cities. There's nothing moving. It, it's eerie. That's all I can say about it. I know what you mean. We just received a report. Got a report a few minutes ago from Dunkirk, which uh, from the top of the building you might be able to get a look at because these things are awfully hot. From Dunkirk, there's supposed to be a couple of machines there. Each Aurora has been abandoned and is occupied, as I understand it, uh, uh, by Martians. And uh, it looks like you and I are the last two news guys that are that are moving right now. Can you uh, can you move that mobile unit at all? Can you get back into it, move it around? Oh, no, can't move at all. I, I frankly, I was lucky to be able to get out here and get up here. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, I, I hear something. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what it is. Wait a minute, hold on. I can hear the sound too, Irv. We've been listening to it all night long. It's the machine. We understand that, uh, uh, in addition to all the confusion that the refugees have caused, that they've been knocking off communications. But uh, one of the interesting things about this is that they, they haven't been knocking down houses that they can possibly avoid it. I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. Apparently, they're more interested in, in knocking out communications than have power systems. Jeff, do me a favor, will you? Yeah, go ahead. Call my wife and tell her I'm okay, would you please? Will do, as soon as I can. Will do. Uh, there's something going on out on the lake. I see some flashing lights. I can't quite make out what it is. Uh, Jeff, as I look down on the southern 
part of the area from here. The city of Lackawanna is completely blacked out now. Apparently all the power in that area is knocked out. The only thing I can see are what appear to be tremendous explosions in the area of the Bethlehem Steel Company plant. Roger, understand. Uh, we've been getting very little here in the past few minutes. Uh, uh, the communications are just in complete and utter chaos. The teletype machines, you can hear them behind me, they're chattering away, but they're not printing anything. The, the, uh, the printers are just sitting there, just kind of rocking back and forth, but not putting any on the total gibberish. The phone lines, it's almost impossible to keep up with them. I'm just giving up answering them. Uh, and uh, I have a sighting of a, of a machine in, that's about six blocks from the station right now, Delaware Park. Do uh, you have anything in view there? Jeff, things are pretty much as they were, except that now there is no sound at all. Everything is, is just deathly quiet. Nothing is moving. Nothing is happening. I, I, I still hear I still hear that, that, that weird sound apparently emanating from, from the machines. I think I can make them out. Now they, they appear to be approaching the city. Uh, virtually, totally ineffective. Uh, uh, you might keep an eye out because uh, I know that there are some in the area. Yeah, I've, I've seen some uh, air guard planes, F-100s, in the area, but... But understandably, they are uh, approaching extremely cautiously. What about the refugees? Are they, are they making any headway getting them out? Just, the city appears to be totally circled by these machines, and, uh, and uh, they're ripping up the communications and punching huge holes in the major arteries and the roads. It doesn't appear as though many people are, are able to move their automobiles, and those that are not able to move their cars are abandoning them, and uh, further adding to the congestion. Is there any movement below you that you can notice? Absolutely no movement, whatever, and, and this is what puzzles me. The cars are stopped. I would have thought that people would have gotten out of the cars and, and tried to make it away on foot. But, but absolutely, absolutely nothing is moving. There appears to be a, a gaseous kind of kind of material spreading out over the cars. I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, that's probably that probably is gas, and it's very very lethal gas. Uh, it was reported to hunt the ground very very closely. They used it up. Uh, at the Battle of Grand Island when they boarded the river there. That's uh, how Lancer fought it, and uh, John Irving, too. Uh, you want to be careful and stay high if you can, because that stuff stays close to the ground unless the wind lost it up. Jeff, they're coming on. I can see them now. I can see them now, Jeff. They're, they're, there are maybe 50, 100, 1,000. I really can't tell from here. The Air National Guard planes are, are trying to get in on them, but... but Apparently, they're being picked off by laser beams. The planes are just exploding in midair. They've started to move. They've started to move into the, actually into the downtown area. I can see one coming in off the area of the of the throughway. Jeff, they are moving fast. Yeah, they move very rapidly. Unbelievable. This, this thing is this thing is maybe 50 feet 50 feet high. A huge steel body and and long legs, kind of almost kind of goose stepping. There's one. I, I can look right down at it right now in Niagara Square. It's in Niagara Square right now. That's... Right. Yeah, check. Uh, be very careful. Can you give me a good description? Jeff, it, 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 it's extremely difficult to describe this thing. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen. Wait a minute. Irv, are you there? Irv? Jeff, it, it has just, it has just knocked the communication towers off the telephone building. Irv, be very, very careful now. They've been after communications all night. That's what they've been destroying all the way down the line. You're in the communication center there for the county. In, that, in the city hall there. You better get out of there as quickly as you can. That's all right. I'll be all right. I, I just want to say, Kevin. Kevin, turn my way. Irv. Irv. Can you hear me? K-K-393. 
Marquesians just went out. It's only about a block and a half away. 